Hello everyone, I am Mariah Parsons, I'm your host. If you are new to Learn to Listen, welcome, and if you are a regular listener, thank you. Learn to Listen is a mental health and wellness podcast designed to encourage vulnerability in storytelling and to empower through empathy. If you like the show, please, please, please go subscribe on your favorite listening platform. I also have built out our social media. Um, So we are on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, YouTube, the whole, you know, every channel, omni-channel experience, wherever you like to find your content best, it's there for you. But first, I have a little preview of what is in store for this specific episode. I just have been really eye-opened to the fact that I just don't think that currently occurs for coaches. And I could be totally off, right? Um, There could be all kinds of podcasts that uh, exist out there. Uh, I just don't think it's an open discussion. And and I'd say that, you know... both of your guesses, um, you know, seem, seem possibilities for sure. Right. Um, and it's tough when, when you're in a leadership position, you know, there is some sort of like, what it, what is weakness, right? Mm -hmm. What is showing that you aren't a good enough leader? Um, and I think that that perspective is changing a lot. I think the brilliant leaders at the moment are the ones that are empathetic, that yeah. people go, they are humans. They do make mistakes and they're the first to hold their hands up and say, I, I screwed up. On this episode of Learn to Listen, we're joined by Beverly Yanez. She is an American soccer coach and former professional player who is currently the assistant coach of Gotham FC of the National Women's Soccer League, the NWSL. She is also a loving wife and mother of a little one and a half year old. She's a phenomenal human being overall, and I really enjoyed our conversation. She has very quickly become a role model of mine. And during this episode, she shares about what it's been like to step away from being a player and into a coaching position and how that has reshaped her identity and really made her think. I think a big thing that I've discovered, at least having transitioned away from sport, is that I very much equate my worth and my identity and I get, I'm very fulfilled if my productivity level is high. And so I've realized that can be dangerous if there's really nothing that is stopping you before you hit that point of exhaustion and burnout. And I think that's something that a lot of people can relate to. So I'm really excited for you all to hear us talk through that. We also talk about, um, you know, pushing down and hiding feelings of anxiety when you're at an athletics. And perhaps my favorite part is when Bev talks about how her perspective has changed from a player's point of view to a coach's point of view and how that relates to mental health. So I really had never had the perspective of thinking about a coach's mental health. Of course, I've had so many coaches in the past, but truly, I think just having only been an athlete, at least at the more professional levels, it is such a pivotal conversation that we need to have. And of course, we're starting to talk as a society more about athlete mental health But for there to be real change, I do think that a coach's mental health also has to be discussed. And it can be exhausting um, to only have, you know, one side of the one side of the party coming to the table and really trying to make change. So I'm a strong believer that, you know, it takes it takes both parties, anyone involved um, to be happy and to grow together to really make that change. And so I think this conversation was phenomenal. Uh, before we get started, though, I will say Bev and I, um, we recorded a previous podcast episode with Athletes for Hope. And so I will tag that episode in the episode description. I wholeheartedly suggest that you check out that episode as well as the rest of the series because Athletes for Hope, they are amazing. The other people that they have on their podcast are amazing. And if it wasn't for them, that Bev and I, we would not be sitting here having the conversation that we had. So I really, really, really hope you all get the chance to check it out.
Welcome everyone to Learn to Listen. This week we are joined by Bev. Hello, I am so happy to have you here today. Um, We've already actually been on a podcast together through Mm -hmm. Athletes for Hope. Um, So I'm so excited to go again. Uh, But Bev, if it would be, um, yes, yeah. If you could intro yourself um, for our listeners, that would be wonderful. Yes, of course. I'm so excited to be here. I know you mentioned that we did um, the thing together for Athletes for Hope, and obviously we immediately connected. So I'm really excited to to do this today. Um, But yeah, my name's Bev. Um, I played 10 seasons in the NWSL, um, and I am currently one of the assistant coaches at Gotham FC. I'm really excited to give back to the league in a different way. Um, obviously if you will, in the different seat at the table. Um, and so, yeah, it's been, it's been really fun. It's been really exciting. Um, and I'm just excited to be here today and dive into some mental health stuff. Yes. Yeah. I'm so excited. Well, we're going to get it kicked off. Um, so when we spoke last, about, it was mainly around like transitioning away from sports. So before I dive into, um, kind of some other questions around that topic, when I listen back to the episode, which, um, I don't know if you did, but it's always like, so fun. I have to remember, I'm like, okay, treat, yeah. when you're, la- when you're listening to yourself, you're like, okay, pretend like you're an outsider listening in, yep. right? Like yep. try not to be super hypocritical, but I mean, I was still so fascinated by everything that you were saying. And I was so happy we had the opportunity to do so. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and so it was kind of both when we like stepped away from sports, that's when we realized how intricate, like our identity was to the sport. And so yeah. I wanted to ask you kind of like a follow-up question and I'll link the previous podcast episode. So, um, anyone who's interested can go listen to it, but how did you, um, like, how did you actually transition away from sport and go know that you wanted to go into coaching? Cause I feel like that is mm-hmm. a. Um, like for me, at least I knew at the end of my athletic career, I was like, I don't think coaching is in my Mm -hmm. wheelhouse right now. So how did you kind of know, like, that's what you wanted to do? It's such an interesting question because I feel like now being in the position I'm in, I've reflected on so many times throughout my career when I was playing and coaching, Mm -hmm. um, that I actually really felt when I coached, I was a better player because everything that I was explaining to these young kids, even in reference to the very basic things, which I think a professional athlete is someone that's very good at the basics and exceptional in one or more areas. Um, but they're so good at the basics. Right. Um, and so when I'm there and I'm coaching these kids, check your shoulders, check your shoulders, get your body shape, right. Can he be on the half turn? Can you see three corner flags at all times, right. On the field. Can you see the biggest percentage of the pitch? And I felt like every time I was coaching these small little details, I was reminding myself, even at that level, that I'm not doing it enough. And so I actually felt like it made me a better player. And I think in reference to what it brought to my game as I was still playing, I just grew a passion for it very naturally. Um, And how much I wish I would have known at a certain age, you know, didn't matter if I was coaching 13, 14, 15. I'm like, if I only knew this when I was 15, if I only knew this when I was 13, so that really started to, to jumpstart the process. But yeah, I actually started coaching while I was playing and actually ran my own soccer coaching business um, early on in the league when, when the pay was pretty tough. Um, it, it's still, it's obviously growing and getting better in so many ways, but um, I essentially had to have something on the side in order to continue playing. And I um, was lucky enough to find a passion of mine. So yeah, pretty wild how it, how it all works out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay. Okay. That's so fun. Yeah. I can't believe we didn't even, um, kind of go over that, like how, you know, we yeah. both got to where we were, but I always think it's so yeah. interesting. Um, well, and it's funny to too, ask. cause like, and there's so many times that I've played with players where I'm like, you are literally one of the best female players I've ever played with. And they were like, I will never coach. I'm like, why not? You've got to have like the most incredible brain for the game. There's no way you're so good. And it's just like, I just don't have a passion for it or, you know, whatever the mm-hmm. case is, but it, it's really funny that, um, throughout my career, I found a lot of people that are just like, there's no way, like much like you said, you know, I was done. Then I had no, you know, want to coach. And I I've met so many people like that. And I've met some that are like, I, I want to dive into it and see what it's about, but it is pretty split for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's like, too, it's like mm-hmm. just a different to be able to teach something versus like do it yourself. Right. Like that is such a mind shift. And I've coached like for our high school rowing team. And so I definitely like, I, it was a different mindset, which I love that you brought up of you having that perspective. Like when yeah. you were 
coaching, it was at the front of your mind. You're like, oh, I'm telling these kids or whoever it yep. is that I'm coaching, like they should be doing this. And I'm like, oh, wait a minute. Like you kind of catch yourself yeah. and you're like, I'm yeah. saying this, but do, am Actually, I really doing this? Like, you know, the rest of the time. So it's definitely like top of mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think that was like the best part about it was, um, and it helps me continue to have a growth mindset. I don't think I've ever had a mindset of like, I'm here, been there, done that kind of dust my hands off and just sit at the, you know, sit at the the table. I've always kind of had that mindset of, I can always be better at something. It was almost to a fault because I was so hard on myself. Right. And was like, I couldn't take the little wins. It was like, everyone's like, pat yourself on the back. I'm like, you're right. <laughs> um, yeah. but I just had a want to be so good at what I was doing that when I started coaching, I found those details and I saw like after weeks of working with a specific player or a small group and you see their improvements and it's like, Oh my gosh. Um, but I was once told, um, from someone that I really admire that the coach never makes the player, the player always makes a player. And so there's, there's some piece to it that I've carried on in, uh, in reference to that quote, to my coaching career of, you know, you can do everything right in the coaching sense. And, and to me, it's always the players that are the ones that are the willing, they have the willingness to in take the information and execute it. Um, and they have the willingness to want to be better and the willingness to learn more. Uh, but I don't believe that a, a coach ever makes a player. Mm, and okay. so, yeah, really interesting to me to now go through that process. Cause I heard it as a very, 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 very young coach. Um, and now to be, um, in the position that I am now, um, and seeing even players at this level improve on a weekly basis, on a monthly basis, on a season basis, like it truly never ends, um, in reference to your development, you're just constantly developing. And yeah. so it's, I, I enjoy it because I feel like as a player, it's hard to see because you're so hard on yourself and you're so like, you, you don't, but as a coach, I can't believe how much my perspective has changed and how broad my mindset has been in regards to seeing the little improvements or seeing the little developments and just being so happy to see it. You're like, you're doing it. Oh my gosh. It's exactly what we spoke about, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so that must, it, it's literally the most fulfilling thing for me as a coach to see those little things come and, and flourish. Yeah. Well, okay. So I definitely want to dive into that. So why do you think like that shift happened where you were like, okay, I'm able to see like the little things. And I mean, mm-hmm. I would have loved to have had you as a coach in my athletic oh. career. Cause like, I mean, it just sounds like you're so in tune with seeing those improvements, right. And like acknowledging them. And I think that's mm-hmm. what feeds into an athlete's willingness into their dedication and development, like there, if someone else is noticing it, because we are, we tend to be way harder on ourselves than other people. So like just having someone be that voice and be like, no, no, no. I see that you're really working on what we talked about. Like you're really improving. Do you think it's that switch is because like from the athlete to the coach mentality is like, now it's outside of yourself or was there like something that you were very conscious about, like being a coach, you were like, okay, now I'm purposefully going to spend yeah. time dedicating, like giving feedback back that is really like helpful and, um, very in tune with what like each athlete needs. Yeah, no, it's a, it's an incredible question. I think it's, it's, a, it, there's kind of a twofold answer to it. And I'd say that I think just becoming a coach, your vision goes amongst the 24 players, the 28 players, right. Your vision's kind of spread across with, um, those players in particular, as a player, you very much so see yourself and yourself within a team, right? So not in a selfish sense, but you definitely see yourself, um, a lot more. And the focus is in a bigger percentage of, of an area, if you will, over being a coach and seeing several players. So definitely think the mindset and the shift of now I'm a coach and I'm, you know, helping oversee 28 people in reference to come on, Bev, that wasn't good enough. Come on, Bev, that wasn't good enough. That was fantastic. Okay. You need to be more like that. I also think as a player, when, uh, at least for me, video was huge. Every time we had an opportunity to go over a film every once in a while, I'd be like, dang, or I'd go and see my GPS system. There was once, um, uh, in my career that I was told, you know, I need you to be box, a box to box player. I need you to cover ground. I need you to be able to come back, defend as much as possible. And I also need you in the box every opportunity you get. And I was just like, this is impossible. Like what? <laughs> and sure enough, towards the end of the season, you know, with the belief of someone and the training of someone, um, at, at the end of the season, I was covering the most ground consistently amongst the team. And I never thought I had that in me. And so I've been able to come through those 
trials and, you know, triumphs in, wow, somebody believing in me that I was capable of something and creating a training environment to get that out of me. And then to be able to succeed something that I was like, there's no way at age 32, I'll ever be able to accomplish that. Oh, wow. I did. Um, so it kind of changed my mindset going into coaching. Um, but I definitely think that the broad view is, you know, and, and at that is very difficult. Like sometimes I come home and I'm like, uh, did I, uh, how long has it been since I've kind of pulled this player aside? Right. Like, mm. even though there's three of us, well, there's technically four, if you include the goalkeeper coach, right. Even though there's four of us and you've got 28, 24 players, you know, um, it, it's hard. It's hard to manage, like giving what you feel each of those players deserve. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's hard to manage. And I never knew that, like, as a player, I was always like, Oh, I feel like he talks to this player more and, you know, she talks to her so much more. And I only wish, and I can't tell you how many times I reflected on this. I only wish I had an opportunity to see a coach's perspective as a player, because I definitely think my mentality would have changed so many hours goes into it. You are working nonstop to the finest details of what the other team's doing and what we need to do to stop them. Mm Mm-hmm. And everything about us in reference to how we're going to play, how we're going to press, how we're going to defend. It's endless all the way up until the game. And then you go, okay, here we go. Let's see how it goes. And then after the game, you start rewatching, you start clipping, you start going and you go again, you get rid of the last game, you recap it, and then you start building towards the next game. And it's absolutely nonstop. And I feel like when I showed up, it was like, okay, the field was set. And it was like, oh, I wonder what we're doing today. I come in and I go, oh, that drill was okay. This drill was fantastic. It was okay day, but I never truly comprehended what actually went into it. How many hours of planning and how many hours of tweaking a drill just to ensure that it's something that our midfield will experience in reference to what they're going to experience on the weekend Mm -hmm. and tweaking little things throughout the week to make sure that it's exactly what we want from the group. And I think if I had had that early on, I always respected the coaching staff and I always respected the time that was put into it, but I don't think I ever truly understood as an athlete, how much time went into it and how difficult it is to give everybody the attention that's Mm -hmm. needed. And how do you balance it? Some people need the, Hey, you know, the coach on the other team said, you're our our weakest player and, you know, show them that you're not, we believe in you. Some per uh, one player might be able to go, Holy crap. Okay. And play lights out. And another player will go, Oh my gosh, it totally didn't motivate me. They think that's what I play like. Oh my gosh, that must be what I'm like. Oh my gosh, this must be the case. Uh, Right. And so it's also finding those, right. Mm -hmm. What makes the player tick and what just totally demotivates the player. And, you know, I'm still learning those relationships as an assistant coach. And so sometimes I can feel a bit defeated, you know, I come home and I'm just like, you know, did, did I, I always feel like I can sleep at night and put my head on the pillow, knowing that I've given the group everything I possibly can. And I'm attempting to treat people the, the way that I would like to be treated. Right. In reference to obviously being a coach. Um, but it can feel very defeating at times where it's just, you're, you're mentally just so exhausted um, because you're, you're just so concerned all the time about your f- entire group. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, there's so much like that goes in to everything that you were just saying, like the dynamics between a coach and an athlete. And so mm-hmm. I feel like, so you were saying like having the belief um, that like someone if you're say the athlete, you have the belief of the coach, like, you know, they believe in you and, um, that will help you like persevere through the trials and tribulations. Um, do you think like that it was because you had that experience when you were an athlete that you are now able to like give that experience back and like putting the belief back into others? Cause I feel like exactly what you're saying, like there is, it's so hard because I, myself, like I am sitting in that seat, you know, having, my athletic career yeah. behind me, but I'm like, I, I don't same like you did not until you were a coach. I don't have that perspective of like at that level, what goes into all the different planning and likewise, like always respecting my coaches, but you it's, you know, you, you can't relate to something until you truly see it and understand yep. it and like understand the emotions and are close enough to see that. And so yeah. just hearing you kind of talk about that, like I, I'm naturally an empathetic person. So like putting yeah. myself in those shoes, but you can only, you know, you can only do that so much until it's your own experience, you know? Yep. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think that's just it, right? Like coming into the role that I've come into, um, you know, I think I said this on the last podcast, there's been so many times that I've just spoken to players and just said, don't overthink it. Right. There was so many times that I was like, why am I not playing? Like, and I was in such a narrow space because Mm -hmm. to me, I was outperforming, you know, and to me, I should have been playing and starting. And I've realized that, you know, even when it comes down to the littlest things, you can be at your absolute best. And this is one of the best advice that I've ever been given from someone very, very special to me is um, basically, you know, a specific player could be doing everything right. And someone else could be doing everything right. And depending on the game's needs that weekend, that's why that specific player is chosen. Yeah. And it could feel defeating because you're like, I've done everything right. I've done everything to my, to my ability. I've been playing absolutely lights out Monday through Friday. But so as the other player and depending on what the, the team needs are for the weekend and depending on who we're playing could pick and choose someone, right. Mm-hmm. From starting or not starting yep. from rostering or not rostering. And it's, it's a very stressful, it's a very stressful process. And I think I never realized as a player that it's, it's exactly it your job. And I think that I didn't focus enough on this job. Your job is to make sure the coaching staff can't sleep at night because they don't know who to pick. That's, <laughs> that's the controllable, right? That's the controllable. Yeah. You've caused such a problem with the way that you're playing, how great you are in the locker room, what you mean to the group and, and character. Character is a huge piece of it, huge mm-hmm. piece of it, you know, because it's yeah. like, well, well, this player's so professional with how they're taking this. Right. Um, and, and, it's a huge part of it. And so I think you just get to that point where it's like your job is to ensure that we are losing as much sleep as possible to pick and choose who we're going with and why we're going with them. Right. Um, And I just don't think I focused on it enough. And I, and I was always the first to go, well, that coach is this and the coach is that. Right. And now being on the other side, I'm like, you know, if I could give them the opportunity to just go, Hey, you guys, I know what you may be thinking and I don't know for a hundred percent. Um, but I guarantee whatever you think about what we talk about in there is exactly what I was thinking. And it's, it's not the individual player for seven hours a day, you know, <laughs> yeah. um, just sometimes the mindset you can't help, but assume that not everybody thinks that. Right. But, um, I can definitely sense and see an overthinker just by body language. And I think it's because that's exactly who I was and what Mm -hmm. I was um, during the time that I played. And I think if I would have thought just a little bit less about why decisions were being made, the explanation to decisions, talking to me about the decisions, why wasn't I approached about the decisions? If I left that whole section kind of off to the side and just focused more on the controllables, I think that... Yeah, I just would have had a little bit more of a mental balance. And here's the thing, right? I could have everything that I'm asking for now and still be in the same place that I was when I played. But the reality is, is now being on the other side, I only wish I had some insight during that time for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, so let me ask you, and this might be more of like a meta question or just like us riffing off of each other, but so how do we like go about kind of bridging that gap, right? Like of from for an athlete understanding like, oh, from a coach's perspective, I love the analogy that you just gave too. like your job is to make us lose sleep overnight, which is, Mm -hmm. you know, I think like a a good analogy, like it paints a a picture, but on the flip side of that, like that is extremely stressful for a coach because you know that people like, obviously that's Mm -hmm. people that you're talking about, right? Like your job is so inherently bad. Yeah. Like happy. (laughs) Exactly. Yes. No matter what, you know, you're going to have like really difficult decisions to make really difficult conversations to have. And so what are like, what are some of those things? I don't know if you've like thought about this. Um, Mm -hmm. but like, is it literally just having conversations, like kind of lowering that veil between athlete and coach and being like, Hey, we know like you guys have a lot of things on your mind, but if it's helpful for you to like ask us questions and like have an open Q and a, or like, Mm -hmm. just know that you can come to us and then you know, ask us these questions, but then like following up as being like, this won't be judgmental. Like it doesn't affect you as a player or it, and me as a coach, like, do you think the conversations there are enough or is there like different practices that you would put in say, if we lived like in a perfect world or if, um, you know, um, in, in like a, in a space that we could do that, do you think it's like conversations or what do you think? 
Yeah. Yeah. No. And I think it's a, it's a tough one, right? Cause I think there's a balance of like, and I'm going to go back to my playing career for a minute. I've seen people that didn't play and handled it so well. And then I'd see after game five, it was a very different story because at this Mm. point it's like, has it just spiraled out of control? Am I ever going to step back on the field? Right. I've seen people that have stepped away for a game or two and were so great with their response um, and uh, were able to make their way back into the squad. And then I've seen people that never got pulled. Right. Um, I've kind of seen it all amongst that, but I think there's just has to be some sort of balance of expectations um, and what those expectations are from each player and the understanding that, I mean, truly everyone brings something different, right? I always say it, if everybody was the same and uh, it would be boring to watch, <laughs> it mm-hmm. would be boring to yep. play. Boring <laughs> to play. And so I think it's, it's less about the decisions and why the decisions are being made and more about like, what do you specifically bring? Who are you? Mm-hmm. I think a lot of times, and I spoke about this in my last podcast, when I was a player, I didn't really know who I was until I went to Japan and the coach didn't speak English. And I had no idea. I had no opportunity to ask him, what am I actually good at? Who am I actually? Who do you see me as amongst this group? And for the first time, I had to answer those questions. And when I felt I got to answer them, I felt at peace with who I was and the understanding of who I was so that when I was chosen and not chosen, I still had some identity within the sport of what mm-hmm. I brought to the team from a character perspective and a player perspective. And I think it's really important to be able to answer those questions because I think that's part of the, the struggles that you go through when you start to process all the information. Um, and, you know, do they not, do they not see what I bring? Right. Yeah. Uh, is what I bring not good enough? Mm-hmm. Um, and I just think that it can be very, very tough. Um, but I do think there has to be some level of respect to um, amongst it of you may not agree with the decision, but you have to respect it. Right. Um, and I think that all of those uh, amidst being a player, all of those amidst being a coach can all be tough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, that's the reality of it, right? Like tough. it's tough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's tough. And I think that's the part of professional sports that can do this mm-hmm. and that can feel really low and can feel really high. Um, and I think if a player genuinely feels like they're in an environment where they're getting better and they're in an environment that if at any time they feel like they're constantly or consistently performing at practice will they get a look I think is probably one of the biggest pieces to it all Um, because I think if there is some sort of light in a sense amongst the tunnel I think Mm -hmm. you get the best out of people Um, and you you don't know that light could get further away that light could get closer it could be based off of injuries it could be based off a million different things but as long as you have that light shining I think it's one of the most important things. And I um, must give a ton of credit for coming into this league and to be coaching for my first time at this level alongside someone like Scott and the leadership that he is and um, uh, the leader that he is and the leadership skills that he brings to this group. Um, I I just respect it so much. Um, I always say it. I only wish I had an opportunity during my time to have played for someone like him. Mm -hmm. Um, I think he does an incredible job keeping his doors open. Um, and also laying the expectations down all amongst it. Um, but it's a learning process all the time. Right. And he's very, 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 um, transparent with that of, you know, yeah. it, we, we learn and we grow, we learn and we grow. And I couldn't ask for somebody better to just be, um, alongside during my, my first experience at this level, because I truly believe it's allowed me to stay as, um, consistent and, um, as monotone as possible, <laughs> um, <laughs> No, because even as a coach, you have the highs and, and, and the lows as well. Right. Um, and so I feel like he, he's just done an incredible job in that sense of trying to keep it as balanced as possible in every way. Um, and, and that's just it. You know, I remember feeling it as a player where I wasn't picked and I remember pouting at practice and being in this, like, you know, I'm not going to make eye contact. I'm not going to, you know, it's tough. It's mm-hmm. tough, tough. You yeah. feel a certain way about it and it's tough not to see past that way that you feel about it. Um, but like I said earlier in this podcast and, and if I only had this insight of what actually goes into it and how much sleep is lost, making sure that you're trying to help collectively, you know, 
come to, to the decisions that are made. Um, and you do them to the best of your ability. And that's truly the only reason why I can sleep at night when I put my head down, but <laughs> tell you what, I've never lost more sleep in my entire life. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's, uh, uh, but that's, yeah, that's crazy. But it's also a part of like caring for the people that you work mm-hmm. with. Right. Um, and I absolutely care and respect every single person I work with. And it's also the people you work, um, you know, for yeah. the players. And when you care about the players, you, you know, you can't help, but lose sleep about trying to figure out, am I doing everything right? Right. And that's always going to be the question, but I felt the stress as a player and I felt the pressure as a player. Um, and I definitely feel it as a coach. And I would say it's in such a different sense and it it feels more powerful. Um, Mm -hmm. it feels more powerful because I feel in a sense, whatever the percentage is, you know, responsible for these players. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, even as an assistant coach. And so sometimes it can be incredibly overwhelming. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing all of that. We're going to continue to dive into it. And I, I feel like the, the point that you just brought up about like the pressure still being there, but have it like having it take a different face or a different form. Mm-hmm. I mean, I even like, I, I forget who I was speaking to. It might've been one of my coworkers, but, um, she was just, uh, yeah, it definitely was. Cause she was talking about how she was like at her son's game. Like, so I think it was soccer game. And she was like, Oh my God, I could barely watch. Right. Like, cause it's, you're, you're not able to like actually go out on the field and perform. Like you're, you're watching someone else perform mm-hmm. for, like the same goal, of course, that yeah. you, you want them to do well and like obviously yeah. win. Right. And so I imagine, right. Like the times that I have, um, coach, like at the amateur level is like, Oh, like I want them to do well, but it, the culpability, I feel mm-hmm. like it was, it was out of my hands in a sort mm-hmm. like, right. Cause I was like, Oh my gosh, yeah. like they're the ones out there racing yeah. right now. Right. Or, or playing the game. And so like the extra, I think cushion there, at least from my experience, I'm curious to see if you would agree, but like, at least when I'm in a race or competing, my mind is like on that in the moment, right? Like it's not, it's, it's loosely on the score and winning, but like, yeah, you, you know, you can only have so much concentration elsewhere. So it's mm-hmm. like, you're kind of distracted from the end goal of racing and winning. But mm-hmm. when you're a coach, you're, you're like watching, you're analyzing everything on the whole field. Like it's a much more like bird's eye view of like, Oh, I have the ball right now. This is what I have to do to, to, to score a goal. But when you're at the coach's perspective, you're like, okay, this, 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 all these people are doing yep. that. Like you get over there, like, right. There's a mm. whole network and an extra cushion, I think. Cause you like, you know, you're not, you don't really have that distraction that is, I think sometimes helpful when you're the player. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's one of those two where it's like, okay, you know, you're watching it in the moment you're going, shoot, did I not explain it properly tactically throughout, throughout the week? You know, one player is not, not executing it to, to know what I felt was, or what we felt was, um, how it should be. So it's like, it's one of those where it's like, did we not explain it well enough? Right. Or is it, um, you know, this player's just having a rough day. Right. Um, and I just think there's, there's, a lot of pieces that go into it, but you're right. It's when you're the player and and I, and I can't quite describe the stress, right. They're the performers, you know, Mm -hmm. Uh, and you're doing team meetings, you're doing team talks, you're doing team meals, you're doing team, whatever at specific times. Cause you feel like, okay, this is the mental capacity they can handle. This is where they're going to need a meal according to sports science and blah, 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 blah. Right. You're doing all this stuff and then you get in, you're like, did we eat too early? You know, we woke up more than earlier than normal and you can't help but reflect on that entire itinerary and your training week um, where, you know, I feel like the player and, and I believe that they're very, they're very, um, they can be very stressful in their own sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I just haven't experienced this quite yet. Um, and so I'm still quite new to it. So just seeing of like how many things you can actually go through to process why these several players were off um, or why we were incredibly successful and had all 11 players in tune 
um, for 78 minutes. How do we get to 85 now with that same, you know, do we do every, we'll do everything the same the following week. And it's like, oh, we actually only got to 50. Why did we drop off? Right. Um, and so you're just constantly in question of, um, what you can do, what you can do for the group, what you can do better for the individuals, what you can do for those small units. Right. Yeah. And you're just constantly trying to figure it out. Whereas a, as a player, it's still just as stressful. Um, mm-hmm. it's still just as mentally taxing, physically taxing. Um, but your, your focus is like, how do I get back in the group? How do I stay in the group? How do I help my teammates out around me? Right. Um, and, and that's a whole piece too, but yeah, it's, it's very different, but it's, it's something that I'm also very grateful for. You know, I speak a lot right now in regards to like what some of the stress may be, but there's also some fantastic things, right? Like I mentioned earlier, seeing people's progress and their continued development, you know, whether they've been in the league for six years, seven years, or whether it's their first year in the league mm-hmm. and they're, they're making these small steps to, to see themselves out as, you know, possibly a big player in this league moving forward um, and for the club. So, yeah, I just think it's different, uh, but it's something that I'm definitely um, very passionate about and very okay with different Um, is how you find that balance. I just don't think, uh, you know, I've mentioned this to you before. I just don't think a lot of coaches, um, I don't think it's a topic, Mm -hmm. coaches, mental health um, and now that I'm on this side, um, I definitely feel like it should be a topic. It should be a topic that's openly discussed. Um, what things, you know, help others, right. And, and their group. And, you know, essentially at the end of the day, you're an educator, right. You're a leader mm-hmm. and leading a lot of people is not easy. Um, and uh, you can only attempt to lead them the right way 24 seven. Um, and sometimes you're going to get that wrong thinking that you're doing it right. Um, and there's just a lot of, um, ups and downs that, that go through it and, and go with it. But, um, I think it's definitely something that, um, should be a little bit more openly discussed and something that I'm very passionate about, um, and people hearing more from coaches, um, and what their experiences are and, and how to further help these players. Right. Um, and I think that's a big key for me too. The reason why I'm in this position is because I loved being a player so much and because I was so passionate about this league and I know what these women deserve and I want to be a part of what these women deserve. Um, and through that, I've had some insight on the coaching side that I would like to share and be a part of as well. So yeah, I, I am very grateful for um, this opportunity and these experiences. I only hope that through my coaching and, and this passion, I'm able to share with others. Yeah, no, it's, I mean, it's so beautiful. Like it just, I mean, hearing you speak, like, I'm like, oh my God, like if we had conversations like this, just like so normalized, right. Like being like, oh, it is very tough, but there's a way through and there's a way, you yeah. know, like as long as you acknowledge like, oh, if I messed up or like we didn't go about this the right way, but let me kind of backtrack, like apologize for that if it's necessary and be like, oh, this yeah. is what I learned from it. Like, this is how we're moving forward. I think that's so special. And I think that's really what like unifies, you know, a team or just two people in being like, oh, this is what we did. Like we had this past experience and we can move forward with it together. And so I completely agree in that. Like it is more, I think it's more frequent now that athletes mental health is coming into the picture in terms of conversations and um, making sure that athletes mental health is protected and, um, very much at the forefront of considerations when it comes to like practice times and, um, you know, diet and athletics, academics, how they play into each other and the person as a whole, but you're completely right in that. I haven't ever really heard a coach talk about their own experiences with mental health. I think it's, um, I don't know exactly what the reason for that is. I don't know if it's just because in athletics, your mind tends to go to like the athlete, like you said earlier is the performer. So like your mind is concentrated there, but Mm -hmm. a coach, if you don't have good leadership, it's almost more detrimental to a team because that's the person that you're looking to, to tell all the performers what to do, how to work together to get to your end goal. And so my questions now for you, now that you have that insight into the coaching world, like, what would you say? Why is, why do you think is there more conversations around the athlete perspective and less so around the coaching perspective? Cause I have my own thoughts, which I'll share after, um, yeah. but I'm, I'm here to, I'm curious to hear what you'd have to say. 
Yeah. And I think like, I am so happy that um, these athlete conversations are occurring because I also mentioned in the previous podcast that I didn't realize how mentally and physically drained I actually was until I retired. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was like, whoa, I hid a lot of things. I kept a lot of things down because um, I didn't want them to fester and I didn't want them to boil into something that I felt was going to lead me in a, in a not good direction. Right. Um, and I didn't realize how much I had to keep this level head all the time in order to, I mean, essentially you're being asked every single day to perform, to perform at the best of your ability, um, to not only challenge yourself and put yourself in a good position, but to do it for the betterment of the team. Um, and so I am incredibly happy to see this mental health become more of a discussion amongst athletes. And, um, I think it's incredibly special. I think it has to happen. I think, um, you know, you need those people around you that will listen. If you don't have family members, do you have teammates? Do you have someone you can go to? Right. And to feel that light be put back into your tunnel. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes the tunnel can just feel so long. And when you're yeah. looking up, it's just so far ahead. Uh, but if you can find those people or person that p- kind of puts a light back in your tunnel or lets you borrow a flashlight or does a little lighter to, to put some light in there, whatever it is. Right. Um, I think it's really important that we find those people. And I think in reference to your question about coaches, I'm not, I'm not sure why that is. Um, I wish I had an answer to it. Um, I don't, but um, I know that during this time, I've only been on since last September, right. At this level coaching. Yeah. Um, And I've just noticed that there's just no real discussion about it. And I didn't realize it until the last podcast and speaking that, you know, I was referencing a lot as a former player and as a former athlete, and not a lot about as a coach and the current um, battles that I feel like I go through when I'm tall and up on the hill and when I'm low and down in the mud um, is just not, you know, normalized in discussions and topics. And um, I don't know if it's, you know, what specifically that is, but I just feel such a passion and such a calling for um, more discussions about it. So I'm curious for thoughts are. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I thank you for being honest. And like, I don't write like, this is why I love these discussions because I don't think there's like any right answer, right? Like you're kind of, um, just like speculating, like sharing insights or thoughts around it. And so I'll, I'll offer you this, my two best guesses I think would be, I think this is the forefront in my mind is that like in leadership, I think there is the mentality of if you're a role model, I shouldn't show the vulnerability or the aspect of like, Hey, I messed up or, Hey, I'm struggling because then, you know, your mind goes to, Oh my gosh, they're not going to trust me because they're now, if I show like that I'm struggling or like I'm losing sleep and not taking care of myself, then if my team is seeing that, then they're not going to have, they're going to lose that belief in me. Right. So that's where my mind immediately goes in that. Like if Mm-hmm. But it, it, it's so ironic because if a coach or someone I trusted or a leader said that to me, I'd be like, damn, that's really authentic. And I would appreciate that honestly, because I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm like, oh, you know, like it's, it's that human connection. Right. So mm-hmm. it's, that would be kind of my best guess. And the second one, I don't know exactly, but I'm curious to hear your thoughts of it just being like a generational thing. Right. So mm-hmm. like if now, right. Like I think about the kids I babysit or like 16 year olds who are in high school and mental health is at, you know, the pivotal point, like it is very focused in high schools right now, or at least the ones that, um, I grew up in. And so it's just more at the forefront of everyone's minds. And I think, you know, it, it, mental health, it's a newer, um, there's a newer importance or a newer heightened awareness for it. So that's where my mind also goes. Is it a generational thing where maybe a coach or a leader doesn't have the right vernacular or awareness of like how to even express Mm -hmm. what they're going through to like really connect on that level with athletes who might be way younger than them, right? Like if you're teaching in high school and you've been a coach there for 30 years, there yeah. is that age gap. So that, that would be kind of my two, yeah. as I thought about it from our previous conversation of what the reasoning behind that would be, because I haven't thought about like 
the coach's mental health aspect of it. And I'm honestly ashamed and shocked to not have thought about it because I think it, it is like such a pivotal conversation to be had as well. Yeah. Well, I think it's one of those things that I don't think I'd ever be talking about it had I not been in this role. Mm -hmm. I think that's, what's like, you know, so surprising to me is, you know, through these stories and these, you know, the, these opportunities and platforms for people and athletes to discuss mental health, you know, it's helping so many people across the world, right. To just have this open, you know, forum and, and, open opportunity to, you know, wow, it is a real thing. Right. And this is yeah. truly a deal. And I, I want to surround myself with, with people that can help me. And I want to hear, you know, how to help myself, you know, and, um, I just have been really eye opened to the fact that I just don't think that currently occurs for coaches and I could be totally off. Right. Um, there could be all kinds of podcasts that uh, exist out there. Um, I just don't think it's an open discussion. And I, and I'd say that, you know, both of your guesses, um, you know, seem, seem possibilities for sure. Right. Um, and it's tough when, when you're in a leadership position, you know, there is some sort of like, what it, what is weakness, right? Mm -hmm. What is showing that you aren't a good enough leader? Um, and I think that that perspective is changing a lot. I think the brilliant leaders at the moment are the ones that are empathetic, that people go, they are humans. They do make mistakes and they're the first to hold their hands up and say, I I screwed up. I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. You know, I thought I was doing and and that's where I come back to. If you feel in your heart that you're doing the right things for the people all the time, for the players that you coach all the time, you can't fault yourself, but you got to go through the the learning process and the growing process and go, shoot, it just didn't work. This didn't grasp the group enough. Right. Um, But I tried. I, I, I gave it everything I had amongst, you know, that time frame that I had. And I think that's where it comes down to. I think that the best leaders in the world are those. Mm-hmm. I, that are, I would completely agree. Right. Yeah. And that are okay to have those conversations of I messed up. And, and I think that, like you mentioned earlier, there's some sort of like, oh, well, here's the fact everybody messes up. Mm-hmm. Everybody messes up. Nobody's perfect. If again, if we were perfect, it just wouldn't be, you know, it's just not real, especially yeah. when it comes. To, I always told myself when I stepped on the field, uh, I know I'm going to make mistakes today, but can I be the player that makes the least amount of mistakes? I always acknowledge the fact that I wasn't perfect. And I think it's so important. And I think it's really important that people see leaders that are not perfect, but that are good people and mm-hmm. that understand what their role is and do their role to the best of their ability and are educated in their role. And I think it's very fine lines, but I think um, those are, at least in the short time that I've experienced, have been things that I would um, kind of check off of my checklist, if you will, in reference to being a good leader. But I don't think it's an an open platform, an open discussion at the moment of those conversations and of those, you know, this just didn't work for me. You know, Mm -hmm. Um, I thought dating this player and it it didn't, didn't at all. I thought, you know, that these, these details would help this player but turns out you know they're just feeling like I'm you know on them a bit much and the whole time I'm thinking I'm inspiring them right um and I think that it's really important that we understand as coaches athletes mental health and Mm -hmm. I do on the reverse as well yeah no I I I really am happy that we're I hope you know we're part of the Um, conversation that can speak it into existence, because I do think there's a very strong movement, like out of athletics as well, just being in the world. Like I see CEOs who, and have one as my own, like who is so, um, is, is very strong, very strong believer in that movement in that, like, yes, everyone's going to mess up like right part of life. And so the people who will really be happy and successful are the ones who can acknowledge that and be like confident in their mistakes and say, you know, like I thought I was doing the right thing and and I wasn't. So I have to, we have to pivot as a team. And, you know, I was, I was leading the charge on that, but I learned at the same time, you know, that you are learning. And so I, I'm really thankful that you kind of share that, um, that perspective because it gives insight. Right. So I hope like anyone who's listening to this, who athlete coach or neither can see and start to perhaps understand, be empathetic. Maybe even like, if you're an athlete, I encourage you to talk to your coach and be like, Oh, I would love to hear what you think about this. Or like, I would love to 
kind of bond with you about like mental health and how we're each taking care, taking care of each other, because at least like for me, that was such a, those were some of the best practices, right. Is when everyone kind of is on the same page, like be like, okay, we all are unified by whatever this is, whatever this practice that went well, if it didn't, if this competition, whatever it is, but if there's that mutual trust there that you can then use like in the really, you know, in the moments when to use your analogy, the light in in the tunnel is a little bit dimmer. I think that connection and bonding with your team, it really just helps kind of everyone involved. Yep. I completely agree. I completely agree. Yeah. Well, this has been, yeah, (laughs) this has been so fun. Um, Deb, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm so, I'm so happy. Um, this conversation has been great. And I, I hope, you know, as a coach, you can go forward, have these conversations. I think you're a pioneer in the space. And I just from talking to you can tell how important it is to you to be supportive mm-hmm. of your team as a whole, other, uh, your other, uh, coaches and athletes. So mm-hmm. I, I commend you everything that you're doing. Um, And I think we're headed in the right direction as far as taking care of everyone's mental health, a team's mental health, just like the world, right? Like everyone is a person. So I think the more we can acknowledge that and move forward with that in our mind, the better. Yep. No, I completely agree. And I appreciate you creating platforms for these topics to be discussed. And like I said, um, you never know who you're inspiring. Um, and I think you continuing to provide open conversations and, um, opportunities for people to listen, um, and to hear, um, and to share is so incredibly important in today's world. And if we could all just learn a little bit more, um, to listen a little bit more, um, I, I think, um, the world will continue to be a better place. And, And the truth is you never know what someone's going through. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that it's very important that we continue to keep that perspective, but I appreciate you a lot. And I know you're inspiring a lot of people. So thank you for having me on today. Thank you all for listening and dedicating some of your time to listening to these conversations and being an external part of that conversation. I hope you take away with each episode maybe some new perspectives and some ways to reflect about how what we talk about pertains to your life and your own interests and goals.